Okay, what I'd like to do this morning is to take some time uh, to, to tell you a little bit of what I've been up to over the summer. Many of you will know that between May and July, I had a sabbatical, um, which is a, a wonderful privilege um, to have, to have some time just to, to rest, to reflect, uh, to study. Um, and what I want to do is to share some of the lessons, and um, we can be based in, in Galatians chapter 1. Um, which, I, uh, which I was studying some of um, while I was on sabbatical. So um, you can turn there now, and we'll be, uh, be reading there in just a moment. We're on page 685 in these church Bibles, Galatians chapter 1. Just while you're, you're turning there, I want to first of all say thank you. Thank you for releasing me um, to, to go and to have some time away from the, the normal um, pace of life. Um, thank you for your encouragement and support. Um, thank you for all those also who, who stepped up and, and served in, in different ways while I've been off as well. We've, we have missed being around um, and part of church and community life. But part of what, what we wanted to do while we were off um, was to have a, a season of more input than output. Um, it's so important. We know in, in daily life that if we're giving out more than we're taking in, then you get very quickly get into a, a dangerous place. So it was a, a time of more output, or more input than output, particularly in study and receiving ministry rather than giving out. Uh, it was a time of, of family time and rest. That was the intention. And also having some wider experiences of visiting other local churches, of going to uh, the Advanced Global Conference, the family of churches that we're part of, uh, went out to Washington for that, um, and also visiting a church in, in North Carolina. So I'll tell you, say a little bit more about that in uh, a little bit later on. But the key for me, I remember standing here at the end of April and saying, the key thing is, is spending time with Jesus and enjoying him. That was the, the key, the most important thing that I wanted to do. And I wanted to, to share some of that this morning because if we keep Jesus central, then everything else flows into place. Yeah. It's so easy with life and busyness and everything else for us to, to get pulled in one direction and another. We have to fight. We need to make sure that our eyes are fixed on Jesus, on enjoying him, on spending time with him. That's the kind of thing where you can't say, yes, I've, I've got there. I've, I have made it. I'm, I am now close with Jesus, and then that's it. I don't need to do anything else. Because it's, it's a relationship, and it's something that you keep walking with Jesus and enjoying him day by day. And it's a day by day decision. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning, keeping Jesus central in everything that we do. And as I said, I've been studying the book of Galatians. Um, it was a letter written by Paul to churches in the region of Galatia, uh, now southern Turkey. And just for a bit of context, there were false teachers who were attacking the gospel that Paul was preaching. They're saying, yes, you can trust in Jesus, but also you need to be fulfilling the law as well. You need Jesus plus these other things. Not only were they attacking the gospel, they were also attacking Paul and his credibility. How can we really trust Paul at all? So that's by way of context. We're going to be reading um, Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to read the first five verses, but really we're just going to be focusing in on, on the first verse. Just to reassure you, I did get past studying the first verse. Um, but we are going to just focus in on that one um, this morning. So Galatians 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead 
and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Okay, so as we're looking at this uh, aspect of, of keeping Jesus central, I want to first look at our identity and call. Because I found that when I was on sabbatical and, and not doing what I was normally doing, those, those questions come up of, actually, uh, who am I? What, what is my purpose? And we can find that in our own lives. If you have a change in, in job role, or maybe you lose your job, or there's a change in uh, family circumstance. Maybe you have kids, or your kids start going to school, or your kids leave home. Or maybe you're moving house or, or moving area. Maybe you've just retired. When there's a change in life, you can ask again, who am I? Because a lot of who we are can be caught up in the things that we do. Often if you meet someone for the first time, you say, hi, you ask them their name, and then often you ask, what do you do? What do you do? And they, these things can define us. We can ask, again, this is time of sabbatical, who am I? Where is my identity? What am I supposed to be doing? We're to be reminded in everything, we're to look to Jesus for our identity and security. Paul starts off his letter saying, Paul, an apostle. Paul calls himself an apostle. What does this mean? There's we don't often see this on, on people's business cards or when you introduce someone, hi, I'm, I'm an apostle. Well, the word apostle means one who is sent. One who is sent. That's literally what the word means. And Paul was particularly sent to plant and strengthen churches. Plant and strengthen churches. He was uniquely called to help break new ground and see churches established. We see elsewhere that Paul was to be the apostle to the Gentiles, to those without a background in the Jewish faith. So Paul was uniquely called to be sent to plant and strengthen churches in areas where they, they had no experience of God before. We're to notice in this that this call didn't come primarily from a committee or a, a council of officials. It was called by God. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. This is where his primary call and identity comes from. God's view of us should always be our foundation. What does God think of me? God met Paul while he was persecuting the church, while standing against all those who were proclaiming the name of Jesus. You see, he's not the ideal candidate for someone to go and plant and strengthen churches. If you look at his CV, there's no way he would have even got to the interview. And realistically, Paul wouldn't have been interested either. He was set on destroying anyone who proclaimed the name of Jesus. But God took hold of him and set him apart. We see that the revelation of Jesus changes everything. While Paul was on the Damascus road, Jesus revealed himself to Paul in power. And Paul saw the reality of who God was. And Paul abandoned everything that he had been fighting for. He had been persecuting the church, but now he'll be starting new ones, all because of this revelation of who God is. It's important to see that the magnitude of, of what he was doing, 
of how he'd gone from, from one hand persecuting the, ch- the church, wanting it, its destruction, to then being its strongest advocate. <coughs> it would have been like uh, someone playing football from Manchester United then being transferred to Manchester City. Almost unthinkable if you have done it. Or maybe from being an MP in the Conservative Party to being in the Labour Party. You think, how can this be? How can you go from one side and then suddenly switch to the other? Paul could have said, I'll, I'll lose my friends. I'll, I'll lose my good status. Or he might be thinking, I've been persecuting Jesus and his followers for, for so long. I'm, I'm too far in. I'm too far gone. There's no way I can make a U-turn. Why should he risk ridicule, persecution, despondency? Well, because the king of the universe had taken hold of him. The one true God has called his name. The one true God reveals himself in glory, and so Paul responds. We see something similar in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah sees the revelation of God in his holiness, or as we saw earlier from Exodus, some of the revelation of God, because if we saw the full revelation of God, no one would be able to stand. So Isaiah Isaiah sees a revelation of God and is undone, and ready to do anything for this king of glory. So we are to be those who pursue him first, who are to be changed by a revelation of, of who God is. And this is why gathering together is so important. This is why spending time reading the word is so important, because as we see the, a bigger view of who God is, it helps us in our identity, in our security, and in living out our day-to-day lives for him. Paul's life was completely turned upside down, but he was, he was happy with this because he saw the wonder of the living God. He didn't think of the ridicule of others. So he didn't think that, actually, I've been giving my life to something else. I need to keep going. No, he saw the power, the majesty, and the wonder of the living God, and he surrendered all to him because he saw the huge, huge power of God and his unfailing love. So we're not to be those who, who hold back, but we're to be pressing in with a, a revelation of his vastness, of his wisdom, of how he loves us, and how he has the very best for us. Sometimes we can be scared of surrendering to God because we think that he's going to send us to the very place where we don't want to go. You know, you've ever had that thought, saying, I don't want to give my life completely to God because I don't want to be sent to be a missionary in the, in the a darkest part of a, a forgotten corner of the world. Well, when we surrender our lives to God, sometimes he, he may do that. But usually, he connects our great passions and longings with his great purpose and plan. And we are in the very best place when we are surrendered and submitted to the one who made us and who made this whole world. So we're to reject that thinking that God doesn't want us to be happy. In fact, when we are, we're most satisfied when we are enjoying God and praising him in all his fullness. It, it will be costly, more of that later on, but we need to be captivated by his goodness. But it's important that we start with seeing God first. Often we can try and go and do amazing things or go and work with all our might, but we need to start with a revelation of who God is and a heart change. I, imagine if Paul had started going without having first encountered Jesus. What if he had gone and, and tried to plant churches without first seeing who God really is? And this is vital for us to know that God is more interested in you 
than in what you do. God is more interested in you than in what you do. He wants you. Not so that you can do amazing things. That may come as a, a, a byproduct, but he wants you. And he wants you to know and enjoy him. So part of the, uh, my time on sabbatical, I was able to spend more time with the kids. And so maybe I'll, I'll spend some time doing some drawing with, with Joel, age six, who loves drawing planes or anything to do with planes. My goal there was not produce a masterpiece that will then, we can then be displayed in the finest art gallery in all the world. The priority there was spending time with him and being with him. Or um, making slime with Stacy. A lot of this, the, the summer was caught up with finding the right ingredients for slime, which you can only get from America. And we had to buy some when we were out for the conference out there. And all the right consistency and all the different things that you can put in, in, inside the slime and how the slime gets everywhere and all over the house. The goal wasn't to make the most important, the, the best slime in all the world for everyone to come and gaze in wonder. It was to enjoy time with her. Or um, maybe um, building some, some Lego with, uh, with Tom. But again, the, the goal wasn't to build something that will then be take pride of place in the Lego shop in London. Although some of our creations, I'm sure, could, have, could do. The goal is spending time. And that's what God wants us to know, that he is interested in you and wants, wants you. Often, doing work or this, this year, um, last past few months, doing work around the house and garden, often will be a lot quicker and easier without the kids around. But he wants us to be involved because it's a partnership, it's an adventure, it's a, a joy together. God doesn't bypass us. He wants us to be together in this. So from this position of seeing Jesus, Paul was confident of his call in God, and he was happy to take on this role of apostle. Paul's not putting down here Paul, an apostle, to boast and say, look how amazing I am. I've got this amazing call, this amazing thing on um, my business card. No, but he, was, he wasn't boasting, but he was confident in the call that he had. And this flows from identity in God, not, not the other way around. We don't get our identity and security from, from doing great things. We get our identity in who God is and that he loves us for who we are. And then he calls us in to doing, well, I say to do great things. Often we, we can uh, think doing great things are things like planting churches and um, breaking into new areas. You know, the, the great things that he's got for us are whatever he calls us into. And we can often get caught up in, in comparing with other people and saying they're doing brilliantly in what they're doing. God is obviously using them much more than me. The right question is not to ask, what is that person doing? But what has God called me to do? What has God called me to do? And um, often it's the very simple things of following Jesus day by day, of loving your family well, of working hard and um, being diligent with the things that are right in front of you. These are the things that we are to be living out and out of a revelation of who God is, recognizing that he is God and that we are sinners, and that when we surrender our life to him and trust in the work of the risen Lord Jesus, we are safe and caught up in relationship with him. It may be that you haven't 
made that step, that trust in, in Jesus. This morning is an opportunity for you. Say, here, I recognize that God is the one who's supreme, who is over all, and he deserves all of my life. There's an opportunity for you today. We'll have to talk and pray with you later on. So just to earth this very practically for a moment, I've been thinking, what, what is God calling me to do? And so coming back in to um, life at, at church here, um, I'm excited for what's in store. And over these next few months, I'm going to be f- focusing particularly on our, our worship team. Many of you will have met Ryan uh, when he was here back in May uh, and who d- spent some time amongst the worship team. I found it really helpful talking to him, being with him. We stayed in his house while we are in America. Here's a, a picture of um, Ryan and Megan. <coughs> and, and the kids, it was brilliant to be able to, to be with them, to catch his heart and passion for, for worship and for um, building worship teams. So I'm going to be focusing in on that, on helping us as we gather week by week to pursue Jesus together, to see more of who he is and to respond to this revelation. Uh, our worship team will be serving across the two sites. So we have a site here, one at Ashley Road, a, a mile or so away and so the, the teams will be mixed together and serving um, two weeks out of three for the season until Christmas. <coughs> and it will be a really exciting time for us together, pressing in and enjoying more of God together. So, keeping Jesus central helps us with our identity and call. How else is, is keeping Jesus central worked out? So that, that was the, the, the identity and call was, was the bigger part of what I'm going to say. I've got three other shorter points just to help draw some of this out um, and help us apply to our lives. So the second thing I want us to look at is this aspect of partnership with others. We see that we are, our identity is in God. So what then should we think of others? Well, back in our, our text, it says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ. What Paul is doing is <coughs> defining his role and calling as being from God, not from men nor through men. Paul isn't driven by the opinions of others. And Paul in particular had to combat questions from different groups of people, from, from people that the Jewish faith would say, Paul, why have you abandoned what you spent so long uh, fighting for? Why have you abandoned this and, and turned to Jesus? Paul would be facing these questions. He'd be facing questions from Christians, saying, are you, are you genuinely a Christian? Can we really trust you? Or is this some kind of trick to lull us in, and then you're going to really do some damage to the church? He was also facing challenge from, from Judaizers, from those who wanted people to trust the law, saying that you can trust in Jesus, but you still need to keep all these different aspects of the law. Similarly for us, we can let the opinions of others shape us too, if we let them. We can be driven by the expectations of, of how we're to live, of, of how we should do our job role, or how we should parent, or how we should be a, a good neighbor. It can be exhausting trying to live to meet the expectations of others the whole time. So how should we view this relationship with others? Should we just go it alone? Would that make everything a lot easier? No, we're to see that Paul is writing this letter to the churches in Galatia, which is at the end of, of verse 2. There is to be partnership together, but God must be kept right at the very center. 
not the opinions of others. Because partnership is part of God's plan. We see throughout the Old Testament, God is calling for himself a people. And then Jesus called disciples to himself and commissioned them to go and plant communities, churches, to take the truth of the gospel (coughs) to the ends of the earth. Which know that we together are Jesus' body, intricately connected in Christ. So we're to go in partnership, but always focusing on Jesus. Often in, in mari- when we're doing marriage preparation with, with couples, we, we talk about when you're, um, when you're getting ready for marriage, when you're seeking to build your relationship, often the, the tendency can, can be to, to focus in on each other and just look to the other person. Often we say, actually what will help you, first and foremost, is to focus on Jesus. And this can seem sometimes counterintuitive, you think, to be the best husband or wife, we need to be looking at each other. But no, it's as we look to Jesus, then you are drawn closer together. So, and this is true not just in, in marriage relationships, but in, in all relationships. We're not to look to the other person, we're not to look to ourselves, but as, as we look to Jesus, that we are drawn closer together and drawn on into um, what he calls us into. We to keep Jesus central for our relationships, whether it's in, in marriage, in family, in church life, in neighbours, whatever it is, for us to live fruitful lives, we need to, must keep our eyes on Jesus and to be encouraging each other to focus in on Jesus too. I think probably one of the, the hardest things of being on, on sabbatical has actually been missing our community together. One of the things that we really missed of, of, of knowing others, of being enjo- involved in daily lives and, and being known. We really enjoyed particularly being uh, away for, for four weeks in America as a family. But you're just aware that although they're, they're nice people, you don't have that history, you don't have that connection, you don't have this sense of they, they know us and we can serve one another. So this element of, of partnership is we're to do life in community. God has placed us in community for a reason. We're not to go it alone. We're to be a, a diverse community, all united in Jesus. We're not to be exactly the same. We all have unique gifts and strengths and experiences, but we are one. We are united in Christ. We also got the opportunity to see how we're partnering, partner, partnering with others locally. Normally on a Sunday morning, you don't get the opportunity to go and see other churches for, for good reason, but it was brilliant to go and see that there are many other churches in the Paul and Bournemouth area who are proclaiming the good news of Jesus, who are worshipping him, who are seeking to let his kingdom be known. Often we can think, actually, it's, it's just us. But no, we are alongside many others and encourage you to keep praying for them and blessing them. And many of us will have friends in other churches. And it's brilliant to be partnering alongside other people in this local area. And then we're to know there's, there's partnership not only here in our community, not only locally, but there's partnership uh, nationally and internationally. We were, I mentioned earlier, we were part of, um, went to the Advanced Global Conference in, in Washington, where people gathering from across the world. And it's so encouraging to go and hear excellent teaching, but also, also to be alongside those who are, who are building church in very different con- contexts to us, but knowing that we are together. It's an excellent time of, of faith being stirred, of envisioning, of, of strengthening, of, of God speaking. Also, we, uh, as I mentioned, we had around just over three weeks in uh, one harbour, 
um, in North Carolina. These are a few pictures of the different locations. So um, we have there in the top, top left is Swansboro, which is um, down, if we kind of have the, the sites, uh, Moorhead is here, then Beaufort, which is in the bottom right, and then Swansboro is, is down here on the left. Do you, can everyone see my map clearly enough? Brilliant. Um, so, yeah, Swansburg in, in the top left, they, I guess they have around um, 200, 250 meeting there. Um, Moorhead in the top right, which is where Ryan and, uh, is based, and, and Donnie Griggs, who's been uh, spoken here before, he's based in the, the, uh, the top, top right, around 800 gathering regularly. Uh, then the bottom right is, is Beaufort, again around 250 there. And the, the bottom left, that is symbolizing they're just about to start a, a new site in a place called Havelock, um, an area of, of, of great need that's about 30 minutes um, to the north of, of Moorhead in, in the top right. So we really enjoyed being part um, of uh, the church community there, um, and it's brilliant having how the connections have been made. So um, Matt, who leads the church, was there speaking last week with, with Nancy alongside him, and um, Matt's eldest daughter, Georgie, also there. It's a, a real privilege to be able to partner with people across the globe. And as we keep Jesus central, we're to be drawn into closer and closer relationship, both locally and internationally. So, third thing I want us to, to look at in keeping Jesus central is that we are to live the truth of the gospel every day. Again, back in, in verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Who raised him from the dead. This is our, our source of hope. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. It means that we have confidence. It means that we have a future hope. It means that we know that whatever we have done wrong, we know that it is wiped clean. We are righteous in the sight of God because of what Jesus has done. There's no condemnation. This is a new day. We can never attain the standard of God. We always fall up. We always uh, fall short and mess up. In studying Galatians, and I promise you I did get past the verse first, um, in studying Galatians we're exploring this truth of how we are saved by grace. That it's not anything that we've done. We trust in the work of Jesus and we're to continue in grace. As we've already mentioned, some Jewish Christians were saying, you can trust Jesus, but you have to keep the law as well. Add in extra things so that we are accepted by God. Actually, let's read, read on verse 6 of, of chapter 1. Uh, Paul says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want you to distort the gospel of Christ. Paul's saying there's no other gospel. You can't add anything in. You can't distort it. It's no longer the gospel. We cannot save ourselves. We need to trust in Jesus. We need to live the gospel. And we're to turn from legalism, trying to keep the letter of the law. Because when we try and do that, if we try and keep the, the minutiae without seeing the bigger picture, it is exhausting and frustrating. We had one experience of, of legalism in, in action when in action when we tried to take apples into uh, America. Has anyone else tried to take apples into America? Apparently you're not allowed to, um, which we weren't aware of, and so we were just getting our passports checked and, um, on when we were in America, and they said, um, I don't know how it came up, but it came up that we had these 
apples, which of course is a grave sin to have apples. Um, and so we're like, oh, sorry, we'll just put them in the bin. Uh, no, you can't do that. Okay, um, so we'll give them to you. No, we can't do that. So um, we weren't even allowed to go and get our, our bag that was coming through on, on the carousel. We got led away into this separate area. We, we went to the, the gatekeeper and um, we said, can we give you our apples? No, you have to wait over there. Um, and so we waited um, because we need to be seen by a bag checker. Um, I f- we think he was probably going to be the one that was going to take away our, our apples. Um, but we had to wait until our bags had come through from the carousel. We weren't allowed to go and get them. They were going to be brought through. Um, and so we waited for, for quite a long time. We'd been flying. We'd been, we were ready to, uh, to, get to, to get to bed and to rest. Um, but we had to wait until the apples and our bags had been thoroughly checked for, I'm sure, no traces of apple were left or, or whatever that may be. Um, but so we could see our, our cases come off the carousel. Uh, only probably um, maybe 100 metres away, or less than, that, less than that, maybe 50 metres away. So we could see them through the window. We thought, great, any minute our bags are going to come through and the whole Apple fiasco will be over. But we sat there and we waited and, and nothing happened. And so we went to the gatekeeper um, and said, um, our bags are just through there. Um, can I go and get them? No, you're not allowed to go and get them. Um, can you go and get them? No, I'm not allowed to go and get them. The baggage handler needs to come and, and bring it through. So, okay, he'll do it in a minute. So, cut a long story, st- story short, um, we tried the gatekeeper, we tried the, um, the bag checker, um, we even tried another baggage handler that came through, um, and he said, no, I'm a different airline. I cannot go and get your bag and bring it through. Um, I'm sure if we hadn't taken action that we'd probably still have been sitting there right now. So we asked this baggage handler, can you ask the correct baggage handler to come and bring it through? And eventually the whole Apple fiasco was sorted. So if you take nothing else from this morning, don't take apples (laughs) into America. But being in that situation is so frustrating. If you've ever been in anything like that, it's so frustrating keeping the letter of the law without anyone seeing the bigger picture. And this is what it's like living under legalism. But we're to know that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, brings life, it brings hope, it brings freedom. And we're to know that day by day. If we feel ourselves drifting into that legalism mindset of, actually, no, I just need to to do this and then I'll be accepted. I'm not going to lift my eyes to anything bigger. Then we're, we're in a dangerous situation. We need to be looking to Jesus and enjoying the truth of the gospel every single day and sharing it with those around us. While we're off, we um, counted up that close to us, we have around 90 people that we have a connection with in just in our local area. And so there's a real encouragement for us that we can share the truth of this gospel, the life of this gospel with the 90 or so people around us that we have a live connection with, that we can be a gospel present, that we can be salt and light and living gospel lives as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. The last thing that I'd love to just draw to our attention this morning is how as we keep Jesus central, we are to be following the Father. Paul's call was through Jesus Christ and God the Father. And the Father's plan is for us to know him. Jesus says in in John 17 that to know the Father is to have eternal life. And we're to 
we're called into eternal life now. We're to have a glimpse of that now, of enjoying relationship with God the Father. This is only possible through the work of Jesus. But we're called into life with him, to know the Father, to be close to him, <coughs> to be part of his plans. And during these past months, I've, I've noticed afresh that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing, empowered by the Spirit. Because when we lift our eyes, as we look to all the challenges that are around us, as we look to the broken world, it's so easy to be overwhelmed. And you think, how much more so for the Son of God would it have been to walk around and see all the brokenness? How much harder? But Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing, empowered by the Spirit. I found that a real challenge and a, a real encouragement. And uh, a really helpful book on this was um, by Mike Pilavacci, I read, called Everyday Supernatural, which the strapline um, says it seeks to help people um, lead a spirit-led life without being weird. Help people to live a spirit-led life without being weird. Because that's brilliant, but often we see people who are following the spirit, but they just seem a little bit weird. Um, and uh, again, we need to make sure that where our opinions aren't being driven uh, sorry, how we live aren't being driven by the opinions of others. We need to have our, um, <coughs> our identity, our security totally in God. And sometimes we will do things that are a little bit weird, a little bit strange. You just read the pages of Scripture to see it's full of, of people that occasionally did do, do weird things. But that isn't the goal that we're aiming for. The, the goal isn't being weird. The goal is following after Jesus. The goal is knowing what the Father is doing. So in his book, he, he speaks with, with great expectation of having boldness to, to step out and to see the Spirit move, knowing that actually the power of God at work is a byproduct of being with Jesus. Our focus isn't to be on primarily seeing um, healings happen or seeing God break in in particular situations. Our focus in our lives needs to be on him, and then his power, his work will follow to be very normal, but also be full of faith and be ready for God to move. At the beginning of his book, he, he tells uh, a story of, of one, just one small example of, of how he lived this out in the day-to-day. -day. So this is Mike Pilavachi um, talking. He says, over the years, I've had many airport disasters, hopefully not involving apples. Um, once, he says, I arrived at Stanford Airport to go to Berlin only to discover I've forgotten my passport. I tried checking in with my driver's license, but they wouldn't accept it. I phoned the Soul Survivor office, which is the um, charity, the um, movement that he works for, Soul Survivor. He phoned the office, <coughs> and my friend Ali rushed to my house, got the passport, and drove to the airport. Unfortunately, Ali arrived just as the plane was leaving. I was so angry with myself, and as we were walking dejectedly to the car, I noticed a man standing on his own with his suitcase beside him. A little thought flashed through my mind. This, that man needs encouragement. Go and pray for him. I generally dismissed those thoughts, but this time I made a big mistake. I mentioned it to Ali. To my annoyance, she got excited. This has never happened to me before, she said. It's like one of those Christian books. Let's go and pray for him. I tried to assure her that it was just my little thought and said, I'm fed up. All I want to do is go home. But she was too excited to listen. But what if it's from God, she said. 
in the end, I realized I was going to disappoint her if I didn't make an effort. I said, okay, let's walk past and see if God says anything else. So we walked past. Nothing. We walked past a second time. Still nothing. We walked past that man seven times. <laughs> In the end, more out of desperation than anything else, I went up to him. Excuse me, sir, we're not weird. <laughs> he says he didn't look convinced. But we think Jesus told us that you need encouragement. And we wondered if we could pray for you. He looked at us in astonishment and said, I've just arrived in this country to pastor a church in Essex. I've been waiting for two of the elders of the church to collect me, but they're late. I've been standing here thinking, what on earth have I done? Why am I here? And I just prayed a little, little while ago, God, I would love it if you would give me some encouragement before they arrive to collect me. I was more amazed than the pastor was. Are you serious? I asked. <laughs> so we prayed for him and went on our way rejoicing. As we drove home, talking excitedly about what God had done, I couldn't help but think of all the times I've had little thoughts like that and dismissed them. How many times I hadn't taken the risk. How many times I thought, it's just me. I love, well, throughout, the, you can get hold of the book. It's called Everyday Supernatural. And I love how throughout he just talks in a very normal way and how we have those conversations to ourselves and how we say, it's just me, and you feel a bit annoyed when you've said to something else, somebody else that God may be saying something, because then you have to act on it. But then we see when we do act on just these little prompts, being willing to step out and follow the Father, the great blessing, great encouragement, and God's kingdom breaks in. So as we keep Jesus central, we follow the Father. We continue in the Spirit daily, and we do what we see the Father doing. He calls us each day to an adventure with him. So just as I close, I want us to, to remind us of our ultimate aim in, in verse 5. It says, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Our ultimate aim is to bring glory to God. And this morning he wants you to know that he wants you. He wants you, not because of amazing things that you can do. He just wants you and for you to enjoy him. But he also wants you to go in partnership with others. He wants you to go centered on the gospel and living in close relationship with the Father. Why should we settle for anything else? It's important to note that this is, this is a high calling and it does take effort. But if you think of anything in life that is worthwhile, then it does take effort. Just think of uh, Mo Farrell or Usain Bolt, who've recently retired from athletics. They achieve great things, but they put in the work day in, day out. We see Jesus, he regularly got up early to spend time with the Father. He spent time memorizing scripture so that he could push back the devil. He lived empowered by the Spirit so that he could fulfill all that he was called to. And that's our encouragement here today as well. In all things, keep focused on Jesus. As we look to who he is, let us respond with faith and bringing him glory. When we stand together.
just uh, we've got a good amount of time just to, to rest and see what God would, would do amongst us for him to give us a greater glimpse of, of who he is. So why don't we just close our eyes. We want you to just raise your hands in an, an attitude of saying, God, I'm here. I'm fully surrendered. And Lord, as we, we do stand here before you, we recognize that it's only by you that we can stand. It's only because of your call. It's only because you broke into our lives like you did on the Damascus Road to Paul. It's only because of your revelation and your strength that we can stand and we can know you. And so, Lord, I, I pray that this morning you captivate our hearts afresh. Lord, you place that fire in our hearts of a joy of knowing you. Lord, in, in this moment, I pray that we'll be those who are, who are caught up in you, of seeing your, your glory and majesty, of seeing how you display your love for your son, of how you are here to bless, how you are here to catch us up on, on your mission, of how you are here so that we can be known by you and have that experience of being loved by a perfect father. So Lord Jesus, we say our eyes are fixed on you. Lord, let us lay everything else down and seek you first so that everything else can be in its proper place. Lord Jesus, we look to you. Say, when you come.